0: Mac Power Users, episode 697, a niche of a niche. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am joined by your friend and mine, Mr. Stephen Hackett. How are you, Stephen? I'm good, David. How are you? Uh, very, very well, my friend. I am enjoying life. I've got all these betas installed. I'm Got I've got multiple devices on the table in front of me as we do the show today. It feels like Mission Control here, so that's going to be fun. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's time for a feedback show, but we also have a bunch of you know feedback as we've been trying things and kicking the tires since WWDC. Man, mm-hmm. sure it sure was great, great seeing you there.
1: Yeah, it was. It was great seeing you. I went from WWDC straight into a family trip on the East Coast, so I'm recording in a bedroom in a rental house. So uh, I have not spent as much time uh, in the betas as you have. We'll we'll get into that in a minute. But yes, a very busy couple of weeks around uh, MPU HQ.
0: Yeah, we were. I was at like the media center part of the visitor center, and Stephen kind of got out of an Uber and walked for me. It was like Harry met Sally. You know, we ran, <laughs> gave each other a hug. It's nice. It, was
1: it nice. is nice. It's good to see everybody.
0: Yeah. I, I do miss that we we all seem to get together more often, you know, before COVID. And uh hopefully that starts to get better now. I think it will. We we do have a lot on the agenda today, so I guess we should just dig right in. Uh, uh first thing is uh, as this show goes live, dear listener, you can buy the third and final. Uh, it completes Apple History the calendar. trilogy. That's the
1: language I'm using.
0: (laughs) Okay. It completes the trilogy. I like You're kind of like Ted Lasso. You're leaving the door open a little bit, right? That's right. I could
1: could come back and do a prequel
0: in 10 years. Yeah, there you go. But anyway, Stephen has been hard at work. As his friend, I've been taught. You know, we talk constantly as we're prepping the show. He is always working on this Apple history calendar. Well, now you can get it. Stephen, tell us about the 2024 Apple history calendar.
1: Yeah, so this is my uh, third calendar in three years. It's a wall calendar, but there's also a digital version. So if you want it like in the calendar app alongside your other events, you can do that. The first one focused on Apple's hardware products. The second one focused on Apple's software products. And so this one kind of rounds it out talking about services and retail. The calendar is probably a little bit more biased towards services, but I have a lot of cool retail stuff in there as well. And it follows kind of the format of the previous two where you can get digital stuff, you can get wallpapers, you can get the wall calendar, which is uh, sort of my sort of the joke in it is instead of regular holidays, you have dates where things happened in Apple history. And so you can flip to like March and see, okay, well, in March 1997, Apple had this weird idea about something on the Internet. And let me tell you. Apple used to have a lot of weird ideas about the internet. A lot of services have come and gone and, uh, and you can get that wall calendar. You can get some stickers. There's a bunch of stuff. It's all at the link. It's the first link in the show notes. And I'm super excited to be doing it again. And, and like I said, it, it completes the trilogy. Apple's hardware, software and services. That's kind of how they're, how they operate. And I feel like this captures all of that, but we'll see what, what happens in the future. So, Uh, If you've gotten one before, I think you're going to love this one just as much. And if you haven't, I think it's a great year to jump on board.
0: Yeah. And the photography is always amazing in them. And my recommendation is, this is what I've been doing this year, is I do not look through the pages when it shows up. Mm -hmm. Instead, as the new month arrives, I get to turn it over and get a little present with a new picture. That's cool. Although I do think, since it's about Apple services... I think you priced it wrong. I think it should have been like a monthly price. Oh, yeah. (laughs) subscription model. If you don't
2: pay
1: me, you don't get the next month of the calendar. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Uh, The photography this year uh, has some fun surprises in it. I have a custom illustration done for the cover. I have a guest photographer uh, for for one image. Lots of fun stuff. And I think it's going to be, I really think it's the best one of the three. I'm really, really happy with it.
0: Nice. And you can get it right now. We've got a link in the show notes. Go check it out on Kickstarter. I have already ordered mine. Uh, Also, the stickers are awesome. Every year, Steven gives you some amazing stickers that you can use on stuff. And they're just really fun stickers. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Who does the artwork for those?
1: Uh, It's our friend uh, Jelly. His name is Daniel. Yeah, Yeah, he writes gift wrapped. And he also does the artwork for the st jude fundraiser we do it relay so if you've seen my like, cartoon head on social media he did that um and we're, we're still working on the stickers So the last couple of years i've sort of announced the stickers like halfway through the kickstarter my plan is to do that this year as well so keep an eye out for that i'll be sure to talk about those once the artwork is final but the the stuff is really really cool
0: i just want to make a pitch for one sticker um what was the name of that music social service that they made that lasted like like six months. What was it called? You remember talking about it? it was an uh, iTunes?
1: iTunes ping. There was yes, ping. Need, yeah,
0: we need a ping sticker. I want a ping <laughs> sticker. I want people to like the stickers. You know.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the way. Go check it out, gang, on Kickstarter. Help support Stephen. Get a great calendar. I mean, these calendars, like they show up in Apple Park. Everybody loves them, and the not only is the artwork great. I love Steven's little trivia he's got on the various dates and. It's just, just a great product, and thanks, Stephen, for adding this to the world. Today on More Power Users, we are going to get into CarPlay. We did a whole show on it a while ago, but we've got some announcements through WWDC, and we've been getting some questions about it. So Stephen and I want to go into a little deeper on More Power Users. That's the ad-free version of our show where you get the show Psalms ads, and you also get some extra content every week. So you can check that out at the website at MPU. But let's get started, Stephen, with the beta check-in. Where are you now?
1: Yeah, so the only thing I'm running is iPad OS 17, and and that's mainly a, a side effect of going from one coast to another, like one day at home in between. Um, so I'm running it on my iPad Mini, so I can't really speak to Stage Manager, uh, but spent a good bit of time with it on the Mini. I do have a M1 MacBook Air that will get Sonoma on it basically as soon as I get home. These betas really, you really need to be running more than one of them if you're covering them, which is our job. Our job is to talk about these things both here and, and other places. And so many of these features rely on one another. So I'll have it on a Mac and an iPad here pretty soon. And I will jump on iPhone OS. iPhone OS. How old am I?
0: ios 17 wow. uh, yeah, probably
1: sometime in july
0: yeah so i uh, i took a uh, uh, i'll say a slightly different approach i was uh, downloading it in cubertino on my phone and my watch uh, i have two ipads i have a big one that sits at my desk kind of the status board that is still uh, on the prior uh, operating system but my little mini is on the new one and i have the the macbook air on sonoma and i've got the production machine the big the big macbook is on um is on what is it the, forget i forget what was last year's uh
2: the current one ventura. Uh,
0: ventura there we go yeah it's on ventura and the um the new one is on sonoma uh sonoma by the way Good name. We never we didn't talk about that in the live show, but I thought that was a good one. Good choice. Yeah,
1: I realized that after we were done. It's like, oh, we have a California native on the show. Oh, I'm always curious. Yeah. Uh, I think the name's great. And um, if you want to run the wallpaper for Sonoma but not run the beta, I've got you hooked up. There's a link on a five twelve. You can download them. I always race to get those out as soon as I
0: can. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good thing to do over there. So I've got it running on a lot of stuff uh, i've got it running on more things than i don't have it running on at this point and now that we're recording this it's been a few weeks and i uh i'm pretty happy but i thought it, i thought it'd be fun to kind of uh talk about what we're doing with them but there's a couple things you always have to say when betas come up the first thing is don't put it on the thing that you use to make money because that might not work anymore i have this you know like the reason it's not you know, well, the reason I have Ventura on my production machine is there's several apps that I use to make podcasts and screencasts, and they don't work mm-hmm. with the new, new system. That's just always the case. Uh, the other thing is, um, this is your opportunity to be supportive of app developers, don't be a jerk. Uh, I told this story on the show before, but I tell it every year because I just can't get over it. Three or four years ago, I was at WWDC after the big keynote, they do a thing called State of the Union, and that is where Apple kind of gets more nerdy, where the WWC keynote is kind of for the general public. Uh, In State of the Union, they get down to APIs and kind of like, well, how are we going to make all this stuff work? And you learn a lot more. So it's really good to watch it. But I was sitting next to a developer friend, and that takes place like an hour and a half after they finish the keynote. Usually they do the keynote, there's a lunch break, and then they do State of the Union. So I'm sitting next to an app developer friend who shall remain nameless, but but a lot of listeners would know who this person is. And he's getting complaint emails while we're sitting there in the state of union from users saying that his app is broken and it doesn't work in the new beta and they're leaving him negative reviews. Okay, guys, this was an hour and a half after it got released. Yeah. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I mean, I was so shocked by it because you hear developers say, Hey man, don't give me a hard time. You know, it takes a while to get this started. But this happened, I just was shocked. And he's like, no, this happens every year. And the problem is those those reviews show up. And they're negative reviews of an app. It hurts this person's ability to make money because people read the negative review. Don't be that guy. And I don't think our listeners are. But I just wanted to tell you there are people out there doing it. So if you do get on the beta, what you can do is you can say, oh, this thing's not working. I'm going to write a nice little email to the developer telling them what went wrong and ask them, you know, if they know about it, if there's anything I can do to help them. Mm -hmm. And just be cool. Don't give them a negative review.
1: Yeah, they're going to get a lot of that, especially when the public betas roll out. And, I mean, we have a lot of friends who write all sorts of apps and programs and services from the Mac all the way to the watch and everything in between. And it's stressful. It's stressful because they are trying to hit a deadline of September to make sure not only will their app work, but it's a big deal in the app store to have features on day one for the new operating systems. So this year, I think probably the example most people would care about the most is interactive widgets, yeah. and they're working to get all that done while their kids are home from summer and they're trying to go on family vacation and all of those things. So uh, yeah, don't don't put fuel on that fire for them. Uh, I do like the approach though of like, hey, I'm running the beta. This is what I'm seeing. You know, sometimes they'll have a beta or a test slide or something for the new os but you can't you know guarantee that so yeah the standard thing we say this every year if you use your mac or your phone or your ipad to to make your living don't do this yet and and if yeah. you do know that things make maybe a little weird in places and that one tool you really need is just probably the one that's not going to work
0: The other thing across the board is understand if you put betas on, your batteries will die. So if you've got a device that runs on battery, uh, the last thing they fix is battery life optimizations. You get that at the very end in like September. So that's part of beta life. Uh, My Apple watch ultra no longer is a two day. It's a one and a half day watch. Um, My iPad and iPhone can sometimes be less than a day if I'm not careful. So Just make sure that if battery life is critical to you, then you should not be running betas because that just kind of comes with the territory. All right, that said, and we're going to do shows on these new operating systems when everything releases. I thought it'd be fun to just kind of go through the platforms and talk about uh, some general impressions after early running. And granted, some of these features might not be there in September, but I get a feeling most of the ones we're going to talk about will be. They're all pretty solid at this point. Mm Mm-hmm and and maybe just overall, I think it's a pretty solid beta year. I haven't heard what the general tenor is from our uh, other podcasting and developer friends, but my, me personally, they've all been running pretty good. There's, there's a few little issues here and there, and I can mention some of them, but there have been much worse years for me in beta world than this year.
1: Yeah, that's good. Uh, I suspect that the changes we're seeing, you know, what we've seen from Apple so far is mostly feature changes. I don't think they did a lot of scooping around in the guts of these operating systems this year, which leads to stability and those sorts of things. I will just interject here before you go on. Uh, the interactive widget comment made me think of it. Sometimes in during the beta cycle, like you don't actually get to see some of the new features because they are all in the third-party realm, So right now, the only interactive widgets out there probably are Apple's. And maybe if you're on a test flight or something, you know, developers are working on that. So sometimes it takes a while, even on the betas, to kind of really, (laughs) where they really feel like something new. And I think there's probably a lot of that this year.
0: Yeah, agreed. Because so much of it does relate to third parties. And we can mention that as we go through it. But let's start with the Mac. We are the Mac Power users And you were mentioning the widgets. Uh, Widgets on the desktop, my impression after having it now for a little while is I like these more than I thought I would. I I Mm. think it's kind of great. It does, you know, if you're somebody who likes to have a super clean desktop and everything, you lose that. If you like really cool wallpaper, you lose some of that. But even the way it kind of fades in and fades out, it's nice. And I like the fact that when i have it on my desktop i have useful actionable information in front of me uh, i've only got the the mac stuff the apple stuff running now obviously because it's too early for for most of these third party apps but the stuff that's there is great uh, i do like the feature where it fades out when it's not kind of like the desktop is not active so it, it kind of grays behind it's not too inter uh, interfering and uh, just overall, I mean, you and I have both asked for this now for years. It's been something we both wanted. I think you said something along like, you know, bring it back, you cowards. Yeah, but, yeah bring dashboard back. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't used it. now. I, I think it's fun and fine. Uh, I've read uh, some folks complaining that they don't want it on the desktop. They want it like uh, like a dashboard thing where you swipe to it and it's there or it's not there. Uh, I don't really feel that strongly about that. I guess if they had done it as a dashboard, that would have been more historically, you know, consistent with what they did with dashboard. But if I had to choose, I think I would choose what Apple chose to do here. I like the idea of it just being there and turning my desktop into a dashboard of useful information without requiring further action.
1: Yeah, and it's more conceptually in line with how it works on the iphone and ipad right where you have your widgets basically intermixed with the app icons on your device now the mac only has that in launchpad which i don't think many people use and so having it on the desktop intermixed with your files it's it's a similar level in the os i think so uh, i think it makes a lot of sense there
0: Something I can tell that I like it is that I, I use that laptop a lot. I've been trying to work on that thing as much as possible. And then when I log into my main machine, like this morning, when we're getting ready to record, I'm like, where are my dashboard widgets? You know, I mean? wow. <laughs> you know, you just kind of, you start to get used to having them there. Like one of the the really nice ones I have is it just has a list of my calendar events. I actually have two calendar ones. One has the monthly calendar and the other one has a list of events And that is quite useful. Uh, Several times a day, I'll take a look at that as I'm working through my day. So uh, this is going to be nice. I think a lot of people are going to like it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to use it. So, you know, it's just the perfect kind of little additional Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, A thought that occurred to me earlier when you were talking is I do feel like the reason there's not a lot of under-the-hood stuff is we went through that for like four or five years. I feel like, you know, the the transition – Um, the Apple Silicon stuff, they have been working really hard to kind of like build a foundation that Swift UI sits upon. And I feel like now we are reaping the rewards of that. Not only are these updates more feature, you know, like feature focused as opposed to system level focused, but they're also across all the platforms Mm -hmm. too. I mean, all that stuff. And, and I feel like they're more fully fleshed out in the early betas because, they didn't have to rewrite the whole underpinnings of the operating system to make it work. So it's just overall kind of much nicer experience than we've had in the past.
1: What happens now if you click the clock? Is it just notifications over there on the side now? Yes. Okay. So they they take the whole space over there?
0: Yeah. Well, it, it swipes in just like it did with the widgets before. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, you can you can still use the two finger swipe to bring them in and out, uh, but clicking the clock also brings them in. All of this has also got me interested in Stage Manager again. You know, I tried it last year and it didn't really stick with me. Uh, I'm trying it again as an automator and somebody who likes to really focus on what I call setups. It's an interesting paradigm because you can quickly jump between setups just with the little. Um, uh, options on the left or the right wherever you got your stage manager setups there and on a big screen it's not really a big deal to give up that real estate for it Um, the automation story I'm not entirely sure I've been working with Moom to have Moom set the windows for me so I can make it more automator friendly but you know every beta season I like to kind of try Apple's things and just see how well they stick with me as I'm going through that that also applies to the productivity apps we'll be talking about later And the moving desktop wallpaper, that was the surprise to me. Like, you know, that was a little bit in the keynote. Like, they made this cool, like, I guess, high-end drone footage through mountains and lakes and space and all this stuff. I enabled those, and I think they're gorgeous. I mean, they really look good when you open your Mac, and it's, like, kind of, like, moving through the Alps. And then once you unlock it, it just kind of comes to a nice slow stop, and that becomes your desktop wallpaper. Mm -hmm. Uh, this, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's always like, this is not a power user thing, but I really like that. And when you combine that with the widgets that just kind of float in on top of them, it it is a nice look. It really is.
1: What about the iPhone and iPad? Yeah. Like I said, the iPad's only one I've played with. So maybe let's start with the phone. How was, uh, how's all that going?
0: Uh, stickers are fun and this stuff was not, rocket science before we we mentioned it on the episode we recorded up at apple but i really felt like and this is something that's bugged me but i've never verbalized it but i felt like the messages interface was wonky right if you wanted to add things quite often it took several taps to get to the content and the new interface is just very streamlined you know there's a little button you press it and then all the categories list out do you want to add a photo you want to add a sticker you know whatever and you click it and then you put it in so the ability to add attachments to messages i think is going to make it so more people add attachments to to messages Uh, the sticker thing where you drag out a an image which is just kind of them capitalizing on prior technology that was a i believe a two-year-old feature now where you can grab a photo and remove the background of a person by just dragging the person or the dog or whatever out. Uh now you can turn it immediately into a sticker. That's fun. Uh however, it does not work backwards. So I've been sending stickers to my family. They weren't getting them. The only way I can get it to work to them is to put it in the text field of the message and then it sends us an image. Okay. But you can't just drop it on like a sticker. Uh, you know, we are in beta one here gang. So my guess is at some point they're going to make it backwards compatible or not. I don't know. Maybe that's their way of getting you to upgrade in September, but, uh, it's a nice feature. And, uh, I think that's something cool. Uh, the other thing that surprised me at how much I'm enjoying it is nightstand.
1: Yeah, this is the feature I, I think we talked about on our live episode about it making a lot of sense on the iPad as well but you put your phone on a MagSafe charger horizontally and you get some widgets there is it easy to set up what widgets you want there like how does that work where do you get to that
0: yeah so there's three screens you you swipe horizontally um, and the first screen has two widgets uh, and if you long press on it, then you can select among different ones. And it's very similar to which, uh, widget selection on the watch or the um, the iPhone and iPad. And you can say, well, here's the clock. And it says, well, these are the various clock faces you can get. And there's a, there's a limited number, but there are things there. And then you say, well, I also want uh, the monthly view. So it gives you the month view. Or so you can have on the left side, like the clock on the right side, the month with the dates in the month. Or you could have it show your flagged tasks and reminders or your upcoming appointments. So you can decide what you want on those two halves of the screen. Now, uh, you can set them independently. When you put your phone in horizontal mode, they just show up. Um, I can send you a picture of it, and we can maybe put it in the show notes so people can see it. Uh, But it's really cool. My complaint about it, and I'm submitting feedback, which is another tip I'd give if you're going to do the beta, please give feedback to Apple is the text is too big on the events and tasks because they just don't fit. Hmm. Uh, But it's really nice. Now, that's like one swipe. Now, if you swipe horizontally one swipe from there, then it's got a photo mode where it becomes like a picture gallery. And it has the time, but it also shows you pictures, and you've got some control over what pictures it shows you. But it's like having a picture frame on your desk. And that's where I think this thing would be great on an iPad. Uh, And it does have the time, but it's really just nice pictures and it's kind of fun to look at that all day. And then if you do one more swipe uh, horizontally, they are very simplified clocks. And I think this is the one there for the bed bed bedstand mode, right? You know, where you put it next to your bed. Uh, They've got digital and analog clocks. uh, Some that show you more detailed information like the day of the month or the weather. Some of them that just have a very simple analog clock and they've got a setting in it where you can say at nighttime when it's dark, make the clock face red. So it doesn't light up the room. And you've also got a setting that says uh, turn off the display unless you detect activity. And um, it does. I mean, I, I had a poor sleep uh, night sleep last night and uh, I would lay in bed, look over and be empty. But as soon as I start moving around, it would light up with the time and then it would go out. So it doesn't light up the room all night. So I feel like this is very well implemented and, When they announced it, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cute and clever, but it's actually, I find it immediately useful. And uh, I keep my phone on the stand horizontally all day. Now it's just been a week, but I'm already sold on it. And I've got one that I use at my desk during the day that's more kind of productivity enabled. And then at night, I use the most simple clock, but it's nice to have a clock there.
1: Yeah, I've gotten used to, as I'm sure a lot of other people have, bumping my nightstand for my watch to wake up at screen in nightstand mode. Yeah. If I'm not sleeping with it, you know, that's, that's what I'll do. I'll just bump it and see the time or whatever. So that sounds, that all sounds really exciting. Uh, My MagSafe charger, my nightstand, it lays flat. So this may end up being one of those, the docks that I'd change out at some point over time.
0: Yeah. It's gonna, and because the way it works, if you have a MagSafe dock, it remembers what your settings were like the settings at my desk are different than the ones at my bed sure and i had a non-mag safe one next to my bed and i've already ordered a puck and i'm gonna (laughs) gonna switch it because it's just so nice you know and uh, i feel like this was a real you know we keep saying quality of life but that's really the theme this year uh it's just Mm -hmm. all real good and that that one was was cooler than i thought it would be uh, I am getting some errors with respect to messages. The messages app is the one that's given me the most bugs. And the one I keep seeing is that it will render a keyboard on top of previous messages. So you Fun. got to read your messages and you can't see anything below it because it's text. And if you close the app and reopen it, it works most of the time. It, it doesn't, it's not like one of those you have to restart the phone, but that does happen once in a while. But that's honestly the most annoying bug I've seen on all the platforms so far. Well, you've got the iPad. What do you think of the new stage manager?
1: Well, I've got the mini, so I don't get stage manager. Oh, that's (laughs) Uh, right. I I do have some lock screen widgets set up. You know, my my iPad mini is in a smart cover folio case, whichever one it is on the mini. And so I don't see the lock screen a whole lot. But I think when I get home, I'm going to give the iPad mini a run as like a secondary status display, like you've talked about in in recent years. But just using the lock screen this time, uh, I think that part is really going to be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, nice. Although I would recommend, if you're going to do the status display, you got to go further, especially with now the live widgets. Like, like I am so tempted to install the beta on my big iPad because I want live widgets, but but I do some screencasting stuff and I, I just can't have a device that's not on the shipping operating system right now. Sure. Yeah. uh, That, that is a battle I fight in my head every day, Steven. It's hell in there. All right. uh, On the watch, I think we should touch on that because the, the watch is really uh, got significant improvements this year. And the thing they did, it's not rocket science, but they just kind of changed the visual paradigm of the watch. Historically, you would uh, have various things that happened with the little digital crown. But if you wanted to get to other apps, you had like your bookmarked apps. I think that's what they called them, bookmarked. But you had like eight of them. And if you hit the big button under the digital crown, you would be able to scroll through those and do them. Mm -hmm. But it just was really a launcher more than anything else. Uh, The new system is superior. Uh, I'm convinced. I think people are going to like it. Uh, You can have any watch face you want on. If you start scrolling the scroll wheel, it brings up little tiny widgets for various apps, and they're surfaced with artificial intelligence. So if you have a timer running, the timer is going to be the first widget that shows up. At least that's been my experience. If you've got upcoming appointments, those will show up as well very early in the process. But as you scroll down, you get less time-sensitive information like weather or whatever. You can also long press on those when you've got it exposed and you can customize it. You can say, I don't want to see the weather anymore, or I want the meditation app to come up every time I do this and you can add them. And granted, we're only working with the Apple widgets this early in the game, Right. but I've been able to customize it and uh, I've been able to access that information. Now you do have to go an extra step for it, but I've always had trouble with the complications, uh, be, you know, I'm at a weird stage in my, in my eyeballs because I can see 2020 now, like my um, reading vision got so bad that my, now my that's adjusted the lens in my eyes that I actually see 2020 for distance. Hmm. Uh, And the, the, the great thing about that is I don't need to wear glasses. Like when I drive and stuff where I used to wear uh, progressives, but now I don't have progressives on all the time. So I look at the widgets and I don't have the glasses on. I got problems. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but this, you know, this kind of solves that because you can read those things really easy. Uh, when you hit the, di- when you scroll the digital crown, it also gives you a digital uh, time, the date and the date of the month. I'm sorry, not digital time, an analog, a, a tiny analog clock. Uh, as far as I can tell, you can't adjust whether it's analog or digital, but it does give hmm. you the day of the week, the month and the day of the month and a little analog clock that takes the top half of the screen and then the widget scroll underneath that. And it's just really nice. So with just a, a very quick scroll, you can get into that stuff. Like as I'm doing mine right now, I've got a very busy day. I've got uh, several podcasts and some other meetings planned. And it's giving me a list of those before it's giving me weather. it's not just the next appointments, giving me the next three appointments because they're all happening pretty quickly. And I've been able to really just kind of customize this to uh, to work for me. And I think people will find that as well. Uh, The other payoff of this is you can now choose a face that isn't as information dense. Like I often use that, uh, that information face um, modular uh, was it was modular digital or something like that, where it would show the big time, the big next appointment and all that stuff, because that's the only one where I could get all that information. Now you can get it with just a single scroll. So that frees you up. If you would prefer an analog face or, something a little more whimsical, uh, you still have access to a lot of information on your watch. So I, I think this was a smart move.
1: It's interesting how they've had the same two physical, physical controls on the watch from the beginning, but they keep changing what they what they do. I mean, a long time ago, you hit the side button and you had like your circle of friends and, yeah. and then it was the dock and we had glances. They keep trying different things. But I'm really excited about this and I've never run a watch OS beta, but this is the first year where I'm really really tempted by it.
0: Well it's I, I have had no errors, no random restarts. It's been totally stable for me, but the battery does not last as long. If, yeah if you've got an ultra, it's been I get a day on it fine. I sleep with my watch on so I'm used to charging it in the middle of the day anyway and it still charges just as fast as it did so you're good. If mm-hmm. you've got a few chargers around now, if you're on the road a lot and you don't have a lot of ways to charge it and you need your watch, I would not install it. But otherwise, I think you're probably fine. And and honestly, the other thing is it still just tweaks me that these these faces aren't good enough. I feel like Apple could do better on these faces. And now that I have the freedom to use any face I want, I uh, I really feel like looking at them all that there could be more. I keep landing back on utility. The one I used with the very first Apple Watch. It's like they had, they never they peaked at at series zero with the yeah, faces. It's,
1: it's the best watch face they've ever done.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like come on, man. What do you use for your watch face currently?
1: Uh, I am a modular or modular compact person. So again, okay. data dense, data rich. My favorite one, though, is called, it's an old one. It's called Solar Graph. Yeah. And it's just the sun through the sky as the day goes on. Yes. Yeah, and that's my, like, I'm going out for dinner or something. I don't need to see a bunch of stuff. And you get, you get like, I think one complication spot, you get two. So I have the date and the weather at the bottom. And I think that one can make a real comeback for me because all the other stuff would just be a turn of the digital crown
0: away. Yeah, and you could just turn off the weather widget to make it cleaner and just mm-hmm. have the date and the time, and the solar position. And then it's just like you said, a turn of the wheel. It, it is very nice. And I'm glad to see that. I hope third party app developers are able to get in on it. I'd love to see some of my favorite apps get into that scrolling list. And uh, I've said this in the prior show that this is the return of the Siri face, and it really is, but it's better. You know, it's, it gives you freedom to choose whatever watch face you want. And the, the mere act of spinning one wheel, that's totally fine.
1: This episode of MPU is made possible by SaneBox. SaneBox learns what email is important to you and filters out what isn't, saving you hours of work each week. Learn more and check it out at SaneBox.com slash MPU. One of my favorite things about SAINBOX is that it works with a wide variety of email programs and services so if you're like me and you use MimeStream on the Mac and Mail on iOS and iPadOS, you don't have to like go in there and fiddle with things. I'm not running a special SaneBox app. It works directly with my email service, Gmail in my case, but it also works with a bunch of others. So as you go out on your email vision quest, SaneBox is with you all the time. Sanebox comes with some really great email filtering out of the box. You can set these tools up in, in different ways and you can adjust a bunch of parameters. But some of the, the kind of famous examples are Sane Later and Sane Black Hole. Sane Later looks at what comes in, and if it's not important to you right now, it just stashes it in the Sane Later folder and you can get to it on your own time. Sane Black Hole lets you unsubscribe from emails with a single click. Just drag a message into the Sane Black Hole folder and you'll never hear from the sender again. My wife is a big fan of Sane News. She gets a bunch of email newsletters and that sort of thing, and they all filter into that folder, and then on the weekend she can pick up her iPad and and go through them at her own pace without them cluttering up her inbox during the week. Of course, you can use snoozes and reminders with SaneBox, and a relatively new feature is called Deep Clean. This lets you clean out and clear out old, unnecessary emails. We've all probably used our email accounts for a long time. I've got tons of stuff in mind that I probably don't need. And Samebox Deep Clean goes through there. It will look at things based on a date range that you select, which is really cool. And using its artificial intelligence and its great tools, contacts, newsletters, stores, websites, all those things that send you emails you can get rid of them really easily. It is a really cool feature. You can also move attachments to things like Dropbox or other cloud services. SaneBox has various pricing plans starting as low as about $4 a month. There's a 14-day free trial waiting for you at sanebox.com slash MPU. There you will also receive a $25 credit on any plan. And I bet you're going to love SaneBox because 66% of MPU listeners who have tried it over the years end up subscribing. I could not deal with my email without SaneBox. Go to sanebox.com MPU for a 14-day free trial and a $25 credit on any plan. Our thanks to SaneBox for supporting the show.
0: All right, I want to talk about the new Mac Pro. Uh, I know both of our thoughts on this are a little complicated, and uh, we didn't have that much time in our last show to, to kind of dig in, so let's do that okay uh, so the new mac pro looks like the old mac pro that one is always going to be special in my heart you and i got invited to the keynote of that one
2: mm-hmm. and
0: that you know that you know the, what do they call that that it's not the cheese grater it's the holy one i don't know the, you yeah know, i don't
1: the, I, it, it doesn't have a great name uh yeah, the never, holy one never. is funny
0: <laughs> yeah the holy one now let's let's just see if we can start that it's the whole okay one. <laughs> uh, but but either way, you know it it was very expandable, and you know it was Intel based, and uh, they've been talking about replacement for some time. But this new one has some features that didn't have, and it doesn't have some features the the 2019 one. Let's break down kind of what we got and what we lost.
1: Yeah, let's start with the things that we uh, that we got, and I think the the biggest thing. For the type of people who look at the Mac Pro, is much faster media encode and decode. So in that 2019 machine, which I ran for a couple of years as my desktop Mac, and I adored it. You could get an Afterburner card. I think it was like two grand, and it was a card specifically built for encoding and decoding ProRes video. With Apple Silicon, Apple has moved a lot of that encode decode logic and power into the system on a chip itself where basically like i don't know if this is actually true but like the M1 MacBook Air could encode decode just as much as the Afterburner Mac Pro right? like it very quickly yeah. put the Mac Pro and Afterburner in the back seat and with the M2 Ultra in the Mac Pro it's like having seven Afterburner cards it's like having a Mac Pro full of Afterburner cards and so if you were doing video ingest or editing or re-encoding to and from ProRes, this is going to be ridiculous. Now, we're going to get to this in a second. I'm going to table the Mac Studio for a minute, but it is the same as the M2 Ultra Mac Studio. But in terms of 2019 to 2023 Mac Pro, I think the, the, the media encode decode is, is the story in terms of performance.
0: Yeah, all the Apple Silicon wins are magnified on this computer. I mean, the stuff we get like the way they were able to really dial in Final Cut to do stuff for you, that you get that plus more, you know, just more of it with this computer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the other big win over the 2019 is the, uh, is it the wheels fit? That's the biggest thing, right? (laughs) Like, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, The wheels do fit. You can interchange them. So, if you have wheels and you want them on your new one, you can do it. And Mm, we joke at the wheels. Yeah. We joke at the wheels, but like for some use cases, it is kind of a big deal to slide these things around. In fact, I rewatched the keynote this morning or I skimmed it. And in the Mac Pro section, they were talking about, you know, some, it was some person in a studio doing amazing high end things. And they had the rack mounted Mac Pro under their desk and I only noticed because the handle was facing the wrong way from the desktop form factor. I was like, what are we doing? Like (laughs) you bought a rack mount Mac pro and it's on its side. Anyways, that guy needs wheels. Most people don't. Um, But of course the story with the Mac pro is the internal expansion, right? That you can put in a bunch of PCI now gen four cards. It seems like the whole MPX module thing, which was, A PCI card plus, like, an internal Thunderbolt connector so you can have lots of power going to these cards. All of that seems like it's gone, and they're just moving straight up to Gen 4 uh, PCI. But, of course, that's great if you have a bunch of audio or video ingest cards. A lot of pro workstation software will have... um, you know, special hardware that goes along with it. Of course, you can stuff it full of storage. My old one, I had a PCI card with SSDs on it. You can do that as well. But you're not putting uh, upgradable graphics in this machine. And I think that is the biggest uh, loser from the 2019 machine to now is that you are going to be using the GPUs on the M2 Ultra and you're going to use the number of cores you get when you order it on day one. You can't upgrade it. You can't put another GPU in there for gaming or for machine learning training on models or other computational tasks. And that's a big change from the previous one. It's it's actually very much in line with the 2013 Mac Pro where those GPUs were basically what you got, and Apple never did anything past that. And that's a bummer if you're in that sort of market.
0: Yeah, and I I think we need to put perspective on it, though, because the existing GPU performance with Apple Silicon is pretty great. It is good. And if you are even a a pro user, I would consider myself a pro user, but not the kind of, you know, for a... how do you say normal pro user if you're if you're not the upper end pro user you're probably going to be fine with this ultra chip and oh totally it's a whole different experience i mean historically shared memory for graphics and processing was was bad right but because everything is on the same die it's it's really fast somebody was telling me they're like it's the difference between Like when you have a fire in the old days, they'd have like five people that passed the bucket of water from each other before they got the water to the, to the fire. And now you've got a a hose that just sprays the water. That's kind of like (laughs) the difference. And I thought that was kind of a nice analogy, but it's just because of that, the integrated nature of it, you know, that the on die memory and that you're getting currently is way more efficient and fast than, a historical, like if you put a graphics card of the same amount in, it would not work as well. Uh, but there there's no doubt that you could put four of those graphics cards in and you could really throw a lot of compute power at a problem. Like, mm-hmm. and I was asking when I was up in in uh, San Francisco, like what are the kinds of uses for this? And like training AI models was one of them, you know. Yeah. Uh high-end gaming, um, which you know, so there are certain things for which this computer really probably isn't the answer, right? It's just Mm -hmm. not going to do that for you. And I don't think it's Apple being vindictive. I I just think the architecture of Apple Silicon doesn't really allow you to address a third-party video card. I mean, that was always the question that we would ask in prior years leading up to this. Like, how are they going to deal with the card problem? Well, the answer is they dealt with the card problem with the easy part. Like, if you're making a digital audio workstation, if you're a musician, if you need really fast input and output from your Mac and things that those cards exist for. And and there are people that use very, very expensive DAW cards that are going to be very happy with this, right? They're going to drop them in, they're going to get back to work. Uh, but there are people who use very, very expensive video cards who are not going to be because they didn't really have an answer. And I don't know, you know, what that means in the future. Like, there is a there's a thing, an idea that's been kicking around since Apple Silicon started where uh, uh, you know, there were a bunch of leaks where they just kept kind of doubling the processor at, at each um, generation. Like if you look at the Mac Mini MacBook Air, it's got the M2 chip in it, right? And that's that's the base unit of compute for an Apple Silicon chip, right? And then they've got, in some of them, an upgraded M1 Pro, right? And what that is is you take two of the basic unit and you glue them together, and now you've got you know two X. It's it doesn't really compute out to two X because of the way because you know complicated things, but it's double the processor. Um, and then the next level up is you can get a Max chip. You know, I have a Max in my MacBook Pro, um, and that is taking. Uh, the Pro chip and doubling that, so it and and or or four times the original processor in the M, M2 chip. So like you took the MacBook Air thing, you multiply times four, you got a Max chip, right? And then they've got the Ultra, which is doubling a Max chip, so it's eight times the power of the basic compute unit in the MacBook Air or Mac Mini. Well, there's been a long time rumor that there is also Uh, something else. I don't know what they were going to call it, but it was a 16 times. It was Mm -hmm. taking the ultra and doubling that. And the rumors were very accurate up until that point. We never did get that, that double ultra chip. And the rumors were Apple had a hard time making that and they just, they gave up on it or they decided not to make it for the M2. Well, if that is true, if there's a 16 times version of this, Uh, and maybe it shows up in the M3 or the M4 generation, and they put that in this Mac Pro, then this conversation would be a lot easier. be like, oh, okay. So you pay more. You get double an Ultra Mac Studio. You still have the graphics card problem, but you just doubled the graphics cards over an Ultra, which is a heck of a lot of graphics anyway. Uh, And I think that makes more sense. And the question that all of us outside of Apple are asking ourselves is, is this the actual Mac pro or is this the kind of compromised version with the ultra chip in it? Cause they couldn't get that super chip to work in this generation.
1: Yeah. Unknown. And <laughs> I think, I think time will tell a little bit. It may be that we never see anything above the ultra and my brain, i just called it the extreme because I kind of, in my mind is like the nineties, like big X logo like extreme, yeah. but yeah. I, I don't know if that would ever surface but it does mean that the Mac Studio and the Mac Pro have the same performance. Apple has reiterated that to the press that these two machines have the same performance. They are the same system on a chip. If you need PCI slots, it's going to cost you three grand more to get the Mac Yikes. Pro.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: And if you don't, the Mac Studio is a perfectly capable. And, and and from the reviews that have come out uh, this past week, very solid and very quiet, quieter than the first one, uh, machine. And I think a lot of people who ended up with a Mac Pro in the past, the Mac Studio is the answer now. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, we we can debate if Apple's leaving money on the table by not having... GPU support and higher RAM ceilings and stuff. But the reality is that's a very, very small part of the market. Now, if you're in that part of the market, it stinks. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm sure Apple is too. But it is uh it's just the nature of Apple Silicon and this is where things are. But as far as the future of the Mac Pro of, of what comes next, look, people have worried about the Mac Pro since the first day the first one came out, right? The Mac Pro and people who worry about the Mac Pro are like peanut butter and jelly. And so who knows what will happen. But for now, if you need a Mac with PCI slots, you still have a solution. And my guess is that most people, if you took, you know, PCI cards versus GPU versus RAM sitting, like having PCI slots for those capture cards and things like that's a, a pretty big portion of that market. I think those people will be well served by this machine. So I'm glad it's here even though it is a little bit different than previously, I think it's encouraging that Apple clearly is still invested in this market. You know, this machine just didn't happen, right? They spent money to do this. Getting PCI expansion into Apple Silicon is only for this computer, right? They want it. it didn't just happen, right? It's not like, you know, they they laid out the first <laughs> the first M2 chip and like, oh, look, PCI slots can happen, right? They engineered it to do this. And from that perspective, I'm encouraged that this machine is still around.
0: Yeah. A, a couple observations I would have is, first of all, what Steven said is the the Ultra in particular, the Mac Studio, is the computer that so many people that would historically buy a Mac Pro, that's that's enough for them. That's why the Mac Pro is now a niche of a niche or a niche of a niche. I never know how you pronounce that word. Yeah, but, no one knows. Yeah, the, uh, but it is like, it is like, I mean, you really need to have those multi-thousand-dollar capture cards and stuff to, to need it. Now, the thing Apple did is they didn't solve the problem of the video card on the Apple Silicon. And that is not an easy problem to solve. And I'm not sure. I, I don't care personally, but I know that there are people out there that do care. But I, I'm just not sure that that is a problem that is easily solved at all. And if you had to choose between what we get from Apple Silicon, which is, you know, let's just step back. People buying a Mac Mini and a MacBook Air now have a computer that had historically the power of a fully loaded MacBook Pro. That's what you get. I mean, as soon as they release those new, we made this massive jump in performance at the low end. And that is the vast, vast majority of people using Apple Mac computers. Uh so you got this massive improvement for all those people at possibly the expense of not having video cards at the upper, upper end. I would make that trade every day. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, if I was at, at, if I had Tim cook's job, I'd say that's a no brainer. You know, I'd like do your best, you know, and I do think I I feel in my guts that that 16 X chip is out there that Apple is so good at this stuff maybe they couldn't make it at the m2 but i feel like at the m3 they're going to do everything they can because i don't think they like the story either like they don't want people saying the mac pro has the same power as the as a loaded mac studio they want to say Mm -hmm. the mac pro is the biggest baddest computer on the planet i feel like they're going to figure it out i think they set this up the reason it costs more money and everything is because they don't want to change their price later but i feel like uh a year or two from now, this isn't going to happen overnight. There is going to be that 16X version of the chip, whatever they call it. Maybe that'll will be called the extreme. And um, And I think that this will make more sense then. But I don't know that they'll ever get video card support because I'm just not sure if it's possible and if it's worth it. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Why don't you give the gift of secure internet to a friend or family member with One Password? Go to OnePassword.com/mpu and you get a nice twenty percent discount to get started. I recently had a close family friend who finds herself now alone without support. And she needs to manage her own finances and generally her life on the internet. Well, she never had any help with that before. And this was really frustrating her and making her kind of scared, frankly. And so I decided to help her out by sharing one password with her. We spent some time together. We got an account set up. And very quickly, you could see the confidence she was getting because suddenly she had an easy way to develop strong and unique passwords. She has access to them on her iPhone. She works on a PC. She can get them off her PC, too. I showed her secure notes so she can go in and put information in that She doesn't want anybody else to see. And by the end of just an hour with her, it seems like we completely solved that one problem she was dealing with. And I felt really like I helped her out. And I think you can, too. 1Password is the application that does allow your friends and family to become secure on the Internet, regardless of their technical level. Even if it's somebody who isn't super nerdy, OnePassword password has an app so you can go find everything. They've got a ton of cool features like those secure notes and the ability to watch websites for you. Like one of the things I told her about was Watchtower. 1Password Watchtower keeps an eye on the websites that she works with. So if any of the websites she deals with gets hacked, she'll get a note so she can deal with it. And uh, that just really brought her a lot of comfort. You're a Mac Power user listening to this show. You're very good at this kind of stuff, but there's a lot of people in your life that probably aren't. And those are the ones who are most at risk. I really recommend One Password to help out your friends and family members. Go help somebody out today, and I can tell you, after we finished that hour meeting, she was really thankful, and I felt really great that I'd helped her become more secure on the internet. Now, if you go check it out at OnePassword.com/mpu, you get a nice twenty percent discount. That makes us look great, saves you a few bucks. So do that. Once again, OnePassword.com/mpu, and go help somebody out and make them more secure on the internet with 1Password.
1: So over the last uh, couple of years, we've talked a lot about Apple's suite of productivity apps and how they've been moving the ball forward on those year over year. And so I thought we should look at those, just a handful of their apps in this category, and see what they got this year with iOS and iPadOS 17 and macOS Sonoma and i want to start with notes and i want to talk to you specifically about the inner app linking so now in the new version of notes you can select some text or you can insert a link to not only a web page or an email kind of a regular url which you've you've been able to do forever but now you can link to another note and they've even done this cool shortcut where if you do type two greater than signs you get a little pop up of your most the six most recently modified notes. And of course, you can search for any of them and and add them there. I know this is a big thing when it comes to these sort of PKM apps, Obsidian, Craft, Roam Research, a b- Notion. A bunch of these tools have functions like this. And I wonder, do you think Apple's done enough here and kind of how it stacks up against the competition?
0: I don't think they're trying to make a Roam Research notes into run research. I I don't
1: want them to. They don't need to. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And so I think this is a great first step. I I hope it's not the final step, Um, but uh, the implementation, I have a little issue with the greater than sign, I think is the wrong symbol to use for that. I would prefer that it was the at symbol or uh, two open brackets, which basically every other app uses some version of that. So to kind of keep it consistent, but I, I also can see Apple saying, well, we're going to do it our way, and we want to use greater than, so we will. Um, but I've been using it, and it's a one-direction link. So you you create the link, and it jumps to the other note. It's, there's no backlinks listed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's fine. I, I'm i a little surprised it's here, honestly. I thought eventually notes would get something like this because it's it's, it's happening, and we've talked on the show this idea of linked notes and how powerful of an idea it can be, but uh, it's good that it's here. It's a, uh, it's kind of an Apple implementation. It's nice and sweet, not super powerful, but it's there. And like, if you have a note that you want to link to other notes, it's quite useful.
1: Yeah. I think they've done enough for the everyday user, right? Where, Oh, I'm traveling, and I want to link to my note with my TSA pre information in it or the note with my passport number in it or something like that. I could see them at some point maybe automating backlinks down the road, because it is nice to be able to go the other way and like see what else is linking here. But I think I don't think it's necessary for a tool like notes. That feels like a pretty clean break of, hey, if you if you do need this, there are a bunch of other. apps out there that 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 do it
0: yeah and i think the the context of all the apple apps is each one of them even though they're getting better and we've been talking about it now for a while on the show all of these apps there are better versions of this stuff if you want to get a more power version of any of these they're out there right but apple what apple is doing in my opinion is not shooting for the top you know uh, they're not trying to knock out OmniFocus with reminders or take on, you know, um, PDF expert with the PDF tools. But what they are doing is raising the floor. And historically, their apps have been really kind of anemic with some of these things that people need to do every day. And now they're like really taking it seriously. And so the the app that you get when you buy the device that's free that comes from Apple has most of the tools that most people need. And I think the apps that are are threatened by this are not the upper end apps, but the mid tier and low tier apps, because mm-hmm. Apple does a good job and like, okay, I want to do a little basic linking. Well, it's here. I don't need to go find an app to do that. Now they've got it yeah. covered. Yep. Um, and the same applies for the PDF support. Like the PDF stuff in notes is nice. Like, I have used notes for PDFs for a while now because I, I've really tried to use notes as kind of my personal database uh, because of what I do for a living. I, I try to use kind of all the tools and I've found different buckets of my life that fit into different ones. And that way I'm in them every day and I can talk about them. But um, just as an example, when I buy a new tool, I always download the PDF um, you know, manual for it and I keep that stuff in notes and uh, I had this collection of PDFs, but it was always a pain in the neck. You had to click on it, it would open the note in a different application. It the whole thing felt clunky. Yeah, it did. And and now it's not that. You know, now you can view the PDF right in the app. Now you could also do that in DevonThink, but DevonThink does like a million other things. Too, yeah. You know, yeah. and so so it's not like they're they're knocking out DevonThink with this feature, but for people who just want to put some PDFs in their notes, now they made it life a little better.
1: Yeah, I think the PDF thing was was definitely low hanging fruit and notes for all the reasons you said. One thing I didn't see coming, but I'm really interested in is being able to send the content of an Apple note into pages. I think a lot of people, including me, for sure, notes can be like a scratch pad for lots of things. And maybe I'm working on like language or text for a flyer or something's going to be a graphic or something. Now you can basically take that and move it and can sort of graduate it up to pages. I'm very curious how they came to this feature. Like, is this something that people are doing? I mean, I would always just use copy and paste, you know, to go into whatever app the text was going to go into. But it is interesting. And and I do wonder if there are going to be other things like this in the future, either in notes or in other applications, not necessarily upgrading to pages, but take this piece of content and send it over somewhere else. We see a lot of that in applications like drafts, right? It immediately comes to mind, but this is an interesting direction for the notes seem to take. I'm, I'm curious where they, where they go with it.
0: Well, I feel like this app is hitting us in what I would call a nerd blindside because we have figured out how we want to write with powerful tools, you know, Scrivener, drafts, you know, I, a writer, you, everybody listening to the show has some precious app they use to yep. make good words in. And I would argue that very few people that listen to Mac power users think, Oh, Apple notes. That's where I write notes. You know, I think for people who don't listen to Mac power, because that Apple notes is the thing. Like, like, even like on social media, like every time a celebrity, you know, steps in it, they publish, a picture of an Apple note where they write their apology. Have you ever seen that? (laughs) Like it's always, it's always an Apple note. I I think a lot of people write in Apple notes and Apple's like, well, Hey, if they're writing in Apple notes, maybe they want to turn their apology into a pretty document. So give them the ability to put it in pages. You know,
1: I won't dox who this is, but a high profile tech writer who everyone would know. uh, I was spending, you know, I saw them last week in the, the Apple visitor center. They blocked off part of it for media. And they were writing a long post in Apple Notes. It's like, <laughs> I don't know this person super well. Like, I don't want to say who it is. But I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> right? Like, everyone uses Notes. And so being able to take that content elsewhere easier, it's going to be a win for a lot of people.
0: And honestly, what's wrong with that? I mean, Apple Notes is yeah, good. Nothing. And they 've got some great widgets now there's a lot of reasons like it I I personally prefer drafts because the tool set drafts allows it does a whole bunch of stuff for me that that notes can't do but the you know to each its own and I feel like for most people writing in notes is going to be they're already doing it so why not combine two things Apple makes and this puts more people in pages too but mm-hmm. I, I don't know I, I it makes sense to me but it, it caught me on my nerd blind side because I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. And like, I got thinking, oh, you know what? That probably makes total sense. It's like, it makes me wonder, well, what else are people doing that I don't think about because I've already moved on to more powerful tools?
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those things where like, I think it's important for us, the two of, you know, specifically you and me to spend time in reminders and notes and freeform and stuff, because yeah. most people use the built-in stuff. And it means that for the vast majority of people who take notes on their Apple devices, This will be the first time they ever think about or see, oh, I can link one note to another, right? Like (laughs) these features are common in the tools that we, that we use and talk about, but for the vast majority of Apple's customers, anything new in these apps is probably new to them for the first time.
0: And and often for software developers that are making more powerful linking apps, this is great for them because it's almost kind of, I hate to use the term gateway drug, but it's, um, it's a feature that people get exposed to in the Apple app, and they're like, hey, I kind of like this linking thing. Is there a way I could do more of it? And that leads mm-hmm. them down a road to a more powerful app that, that yeah. does more powerful linking stuff. Totally. Let's talk about PDFs. Um, in addition to embedding PDFs in notes, they've also added basic fill-in details with PDFs where you can fill them in and use artificial intelligence where it will it will determine a field name and fill it in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I was talking uh, to someone at WBC about this because for a while now you've been able to scan uh, a PDF into notes, right? And of course there are lots of third-party apps that let you just scan directly to Dropbox or uh, iCloud Drive or things like that. But those forms, like those PDFs that are forms, are they're not as useful as ones that have been digital their whole lives because the form information gets preserved, right? So your school like so I'm dealing with it right now. My insurance agent sent me a PDF form I need to fill out and get back to her. And I opened it in preview and all the forms are there, right? So I can click in and like type my name, type my address, hit a couple of radio boxes or, or whatever I need to do. But if she had mailed me that and I scanned it with my phone or with my flatbed scanner, don't have that, right? Yeah. And what I would do because I'm me, I would go into preview and like draw little text boxes and like write my name and like try to line it up. And what this promises is that those PDFs that don't have that form field, either because you scanned them or because someone saved it as a PDF without form fields, they get all those same really useful tools. And I'm all for it. You know, I know you wrote a paperless book a long time ago, but you and I both really believe in that. Like I try to scan everything and get rid of the paper that I don't need. And this is going to make that whole world, I think, a lot easier and better to deal with.
0: Well, I also think that it's interesting because it is where Apple has a basic tool that can beat more powerful tools because of Apple's advantage. You know, it is an Apple app, it has access to your entire system, your personal data, and whatnot. And that makes it the friction point lower for the application to say, Well, it's asking for his name. I know his name. I'll put it in. You know, it's asking for his address. I know his address. And, it seems so natural that the computer can do this for us. And I hope that this, I haven't tested this yet, so we'll report back when we when we get closer to release. But I hope this works as easy as they say it will. Um, mm-hmm. And if it does, that'll just make everybody's lives so much easier. Yeah. Let's talk about reminders. I felt like the reminders uh, update this year wasn't as uh, ambitious as I would have liked to seen it. Um mm-hmm. But there are a couple of cool features. Uh, one is grocery list. If you turn any list into a grocery list, it will automatically categorize all the items on it. And yeah. we ha- we happened to share a grocery list, Daisy and I. So I just did that. And it was spot on. You know, the carrots awesome. were in the produce and, you know, everything was where it belonged. And that's great. Uh, I You know, that's a nice little feature. Uh, again, I'm going to say quality of life, but not game changing. I feel like there's, Uh, If there was a list of things I want reminders to do, uh, automatically creating a grocery list would not be very high on it. Uh, But, you know, for a lot of people, this will be useful.
1: I think a lot of households use reminders for a shared grocery list. One neat feature in there is if, if it miscategorizes something and you change it, it will remember your change. So maybe you have something that you purchase at the grocery store that it doesn't know about for some reason or it just puts in the wrong place. Uh, I think that's pretty sweet. I mean, just last night, like I went to the grocery store and we had a bunch of things in our grocery list. And of course, like we talked about on a recent episode, I'm sort of like bouncing off the outside walls of the grocery store, trying to like find everything in order, but it's out of order. So I agree with you. It's not as ambitious as I wanted, but I'm pumped about the grocery sorting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I'm more excited about and I really didn't see coming is column view. So they, they've made a way to organize um, tasks by a column view, which is if anybody's familiar with the idea of a Kanban board, it's in essence creating a Kanban board and a reminders list. And I like that. Um, I am experimenting with it because uh, when you combine this feature with the easy nature of sharing a reminders list, uh, this might be something that I put in place in production. You know, where I've got a list of things I'm working on with uh, with the people I work with, and we could have a Kanban board just showing where everything is. I've been looking at options for that. There are obviously several good websites that do it. There's some apps that do it, but. Uh, for what I'm looking at, Reminders might actually be one of the better options if it pays off. But I'm mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of early in my testing of it, but I didn't see that coming. I, that was a, kind of a nice feature.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty sweet.
0: I know that you tried to like make Reminders your thing last year and ultimately gave up on it, but I forgot why. What was it that chased you out?
1: It was really on the Mac that everything required a lot of clicking around and that in the inspector, and this is silly, but like task managers are finicky and people who use them are finicky that I couldn't easily move a task in between lists from the inspector that had a drag and drop stuff around. I will be giving it another run later this year for sure, because I, I I'd like to be able to use it because the series support
0: is so good. Well, now if you click on the inspector for a task, you can change the list.
1: Yes. Thank you, Reminders team.
0: Yeah, so they heard you. That's awesome.
1: Hey, hey, last year I got my feature right where the the badge, app badge would match the today view in the app. And I was like, I was so pleased about that. Uh, Because before, Reminder just didn't work for me. Because I want those numbers to be the same. But um, I am definitely going to be giving this a shot. Now, I know there are some features that a lot of people like, like defer dates that it, doesn't support and who knows if it ever will. I mean, even to do this is just now they're going to add defer dates later this year. And, you know, they're a higher end tool than reminders. So I don't know if that'll ever, ever make its way down, but for again, the ma- the vast majority of, of people, their task manager is going to get a, a, a nice, a nice update this fall.
0: Okay. So as you were talking, I was looking and while you can move a reminder to a different list on the phone, I'm not seeing that on the Mac, so you may. No. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, I will file feedback for the Reminders team then.
0: We are in Beta One. There's yeah. still time. Yeah. I really like deferred dates, and uh, OmniFocus is far superior to Reminders for a bunch of reasons. But every year when we're in this beta season, I really spend a lot of time with the Apple apps. I'm currently running my tasks um, simultaneously in OmniFocus and Reminders just to see kind of what's going on. Uh, I really want to be able to tell people where the line is and every year the line gets closer, you know, reminders creeps up more, but they're not near OmniFocus, which is my opinion is the, the premier task manager, but, but reminders creeps up. And there are like, I feel like it's better at sharing than OmniFocus and it has now these, this Kanban view. So there's certain things about it. I think I'm going to going to probably keep using permanently, but uh, I'm in the midst of kind of evaluating now. It's very early in the process, but but yeah, it got a little better. I was hoping it would get even more better this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that a word? Even more better. But yeah, I, it, it seemed like a little, like they've been going so hard the last few years. I, I kind of like that cadence. I want more. We always want more, Stephen. It's true. Speaking of more, Freeform got more.
1: Yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, this sort of answers the question we had a while back as, Freeform on its own trajectory or is it tied to OS releases like Mail and Safari and it seems like it's the latter. A bunch of new drawing tools coming to Freeform. So there's a watercolor brush, a calligraphy pen, a highlighter. There's a pen where you can set a variable width and a ruler. So some additional drawing tools. Um, I felt like what was there worked for me, but I'm not the drawing type really. Most of the stuff I do in apps like Freeform are kind of structured tree kind of things. Um, But if you wanted those, they're there. And something I think is really cool is shape recognition. So if you draw a triangle or a square or a circle with the pencil, it will snap it into like a perfect version of that shape.
0: Yeah. I mean, just little improvements. And the thing I have noticed is the word freeform keeps coming up in relation to, you know, the new hardware. So, you know, Vision Pro free and free form are intertwined in the, uh, the public messaging from Apple, which explains why this app exists. I mean, we, we actually questioned it when we did the show. like it's kind of weird that they made this app, but now it's like, Oh, I get it. What if you were wearing a headset and you wanted to think through an idea, you would need an app to do that. So Apple has one. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I, the more I think about the vision pro and, um, doing some visual thinking like putting that thing on and having a you know eight foot wide whiteboard that i could work on i that's that is one of the use cases that is very attractive to me so i hope freeform continues to get more features
1: yeah it definitely was made and designed with the vision pro in mind i think
0: yeah safari more productive
1: yeah, Safari, Safari got some stuff that I think is really cool from the perspective of a Chrome user. One of the best things in Google Chrome is multiple profiles. So these are basically instances of your browser that have their own history, extensions, bookmarks, uh, cookies, and so I've got my personal one and then I have one that's logged into like a, a relay FM account that does very specific things with Google, or I have one that's logged into my YouTube account for the 512 channel. And this is coming to Safari now, which is really awesome. I think a lot of people use Chrome because of this. So they can have a personal and a work profile and and you know they're they're kind of their own worlds and you can run them both at the same time in different windows. And it seems like Safari is getting all of that this year.
0: Yeah. Nice. Very good. Nice. I feel like the whole password passkey thing is the penny hasn't fully dropped on it. Like they announced it last year. We got more features for it this year. One password now has their program out. Everybody's like getting on board with passkeys, but it hasn't really reached that critical mass yet. Uh, One of the things we really need is buy in from the vendors. You know, we need the people that are making websites that you log into to get invested in passkeys and changing their sites for that that costs money and time and risk for them because it's a password related thing. I feel like a year from now, we're going to be in a much better spot with pass key and password, but I'm, I'm happy to see Apple continuing to push that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I think a lot of people, including me, honestly don't have our heads fully wrapped around pass keys. I mean, that's really brand new. Like it's in beta and one password who's a sponsor and and beta and some other services. So I think there's, there's more to this uh, more to this to come. And I think we will, revisit pass keys maybe later this year once there may be a bit more out in the world because they're kind of complicated to understand in some ways
0: they are. And they're also kind of simple, but you need to see them working to really, to really grok it. But yeah, we will have more content for you on that, but there's nowhere to go right now. There's not not much to do with it yet, but once the information is useful to you, we will do a show on it. Cause I, I am interested and I'm following it. Um, mail. Again, a big question this year: Are we going to get like the kind of improvements we got on mail last year? You know, is mail now on the annual upgrade cycle, or was last year kind of a fluke? Well, the answer to that question is a little mixed. Um, They uh, there is some improvements to mail, but it's really not like last year.
1: Yeah, yeah, last year was the sort of the big year for mail. In fact, some things are going away. So the old mail plugin architecture, you know, they, they shifted gears a while back to a new, more secure plugin system for mail, and uh, the old ones are going to be going away with macOS Sonoma. So they were deprecated uh, back in Monterey, and uh, we have a link from our friend Adam, who was on the show a little while ago. He runs Message Filer and uh, and some other things for mail. And uh, they are, um, unfortunately, gone now. So if you are relying on the more traditional mail plugins, you're going to need to to find another solution when Sonoma comes around.
0: Yeah, and this is not a surprise. I mean, no. Adam and everybody doing this knew this was coming. And uh, honestly, this needed to happen because I don't want the mail application becoming a vector for someone hacking my Mac. And yep. Uh, so that's all okay. The, what's disappointing is the the new improvements. It, so it will try to find your travel emails to put it at the top of your search results. You know, that's cool. So it's using a little bit of artificial intelligence to say, oh, you've got a trip coming up and that's in a week. If you search your mail, I'm going to try and weight that heavier so it shows up so you get to it faster. There's nothing more, you know, I've been in that spot where you're like at the at the desk at the airport and you need to get like something that got emailed to you and you're like looking through email and everybody behind you is looking at you like you're a jerk. I, I get that, but you know, that's a nice little feature. And then uh, you can add big emoji to your messages, you know? Great. Yay. That's great. <laughs> uh, but you know what you can't add to your messages? Me emoji. I don't understand that. You know, those me emoji stickers. Oh, yeah. I like them. I use them. I use them in my messages. But I I also like to use them in email replies. You know, some but sometimes people send me a little message as Max Parky, and they uh, I want to give them a little thumbs up or something that uh, hey I got that thanks. And I've created you know scripts to do it on my Mac, and I had to screenshot them. It's very complicated what I ended up doing. But why can't we just get those in uh, mail replies? Don't know. But uh, I feel like uh, there's there's a lot of fruit on the tree <laughs> for Apple Mail and. You know, mail is evolving. Apple Mail is still a good app and it's solid, but man, I, I do wish they would add some more features.
1: We talked on uh, dictation and Siri some in the episode we recorded at Apple Park, but I, I did want to touch on. I, I don't know if I couldn't remember if we mentioned it, so I put it here. But you can in iOS sixteen use dictation and the keyboard together more than you used to be able to. But yeah. you can you can now like be typing while dictating for, from Apple's note. How does this work? Yeah.
0: Uh great. The the dictation is I just did a thing for the labs where I dictated like five or six paragraphs and there's like one or two errors. It's it it's so much better. And the thing you can do now that I've never been able to do before with an Apple device is dictate while not looking at the dictation, if that makes sense. So like one of my favorite workflows is. If I'm doing something complicated, I will have maybe a mind note or some kind of outline I'm working off of as I'm writing. And I'll be looking at the outline and just talking into the microphone. But historically, I would always have to keep an eye on the Siri dictation because it can go off the rails sometimes. Like it starts to misinterpret and that kind of compounds on itself. And then suddenly, like, there's just madness coming out of my keyboard uh and with the new model that just doesn't happen so i've been dictating without looking at it which is not something i would i would do before Mm -hmm. this 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 release so yeah it's great it's great i haven't done a lot of that where i'm typing while i do it. i need to test that that further but yeah just overall i'm very happy with the dictation
1: i don't think my brain could do that very easily (laughs) typing and talking uh hard to do at the same time for some of us on the siri front They've dropped "hey" from the wake phrase on some devices, not not all devices, and I think more importantly, it can now handle multiple back to back requests without having to reawaken the assistant. So you could say, "Assistant, you know, uh, tell me the weather and open my blinds." And in the past, that would be two different interactions, and so it can yeah. keep up with this a little bit better. Um, I've not been able to play with this yet, but if it if it works, that's gonna be fantastic because Siri is very back and forth right now when you have more than one thing you want to get done,
0: yeah, but as someone with a daughter named Sarah, I would really like the ability to reprogram that word
1: oh yeah and on on the Amazon product, they have a couple of phrases, and in Apple, we should say it is you have an option to leave the hey part on or off, but yes, with a Sarah in the house uh, or in the family, I'm sure it is uh, painful sometimes. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by Doc. When someone is just exceptionally good at what they do, could be a waiter, a chef, or a doctor, you know you're in good hands. It's like seeing a waiter trying to balance five trays of sizzling fajitas in one arm. You're confident they can get it done. And when you find the right doctor, you can just feel it. You feel heard and at ease. On ZocDoc, finding the doctor that's right for you is seamless. The quality care you need is just a few taps away in the ZocDoc app. That is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. Having the right doctor is a huge thing. Maybe you've moved to a new new town, you know, moved across the country for a job or something. You need to find a new physician. Maybe you have something new going on and your old doctor isn't a good fit. Or maybe you're just looking for a change. ZocDoc can take care of you in all of those situations. No more Dr. Roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. Go to ZocDoc.com MPU to download the app for free. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C. ZocDoc.com MPU. There you can find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available with 24 hours. Get the free app at ZocDoc.com MPU. Our thanks to Zocdoc for their support of the show and Relay FM.
0: All right, uh, listener feedback. Uh, we got some some good feedback this month. David wrote in: "I just received notice of a massive price hike for Evernote, and I'm going to replace it. I use other apps for notes, but Evernote is my digital junk drawer. I need something that can OCR PDF scans once I upload them, has powerful full text search for attachments." Is web-based so I can access it from iOS and Windows devices? Uh, he says, Devin Think is the first thing that came to mind, but I need to to be cloud-based. What do you suggest to replace Evernote for my requirements? I would give Devin Think a, a try, is what I would do, because Devin Think has a mobile app, so... It's not cloud-based in the sense that you have a website you can go to, although there is a version of Dev and Think, the, the upper-end version where you can share it with people. I guess you kind of wire that up that way, but that's not really what they intend. Mm-hmm. But they've got mobile apps, which they I, I personally know they've been working really hard on kind of like bringing those up. And everything can be cloud-based. You can store it in iCloud, in Dropbox, in your own cloud. So you can have it in the cloud. And in terms of like, the power, there's just we already talked about DevonThink today. It's just it's just the best. And I guess the question I'd ask yourself, David, is where are you doing most of this stuff? Where are you accessing your junk drawer? You know, if you're primarily accessing it on your iPhone, I'm sorry, if you're primarily accessing it on your Mac, then I think DevonThink is the answer full stop. Mm-hmm. If you're primarily accessing it on iPhone and iPad, I think DevonThink is worth a try because it's just so powerful and you can do all the tagging and searching on their mobile devices. If Devon think doesn't do it for you, well, I would give it some thought. I, I, you know, because he's got a long list of things he wants. He wants yeah. it to do a PDF scan and he wants it to do a full text search of attachments. There's not a lot of options out there that like are primarily mobile Mm-hmm. Uh, that have that feature set that's not Devon. Think you can't do the you can't search attachments in notes because Notes is definitely trying to take on Evernote. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got any ideas for uh, a leading contender on iPhone and iPad with that feature set?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about Craft, but Craft doesn't do search no. and attachments. Yeah. It, it yeah. does like what Notes does now before the update where PDFs basically just open in preview wow. Um, and craft my number one complaint about it is does not have offline access on mobile and that kills me with craft but I don't know I mean I, I would start with Devin think I mean really this is kind of the problem with with Evernote's long slow decline is that it did stuff or does stuff that a lot of other tools don't have all in one place but I would I would start with Devin think.
0: Yeah, and what I would do David is declutter think I think has a 30 day trial. Does.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so go in and really try it. Um and and give some thought to where you're doing this work cuz when you call it your digital junk drawer it sounds to me like it's not mission critical stuff. And if you could limit yourself to primarily doing that on your on your Mac and then just occasionally when you need it on the other devices. Devin think maybe it, the the answer. It definitely solves the problem in terms of power. Uh, but, you know, when you have a, and depending on how big your database and stuff is, it does get complicated to sync that over to mobile devices. Uh, but I would also ask the listeners, if anybody is doing this primarily on iPhone and iPad and they have something they love, put it into the MPU forums at talk.macparries.com. And David, go check in in a couple of weeks after the show releases and see if somebody comes up with something better. Maybe we'll cover this in a future feedback show as well. Good good question. Kind of stumped me a little bit when you said I wanted to do all that stuff, but I also wanted to work on mobile.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Craig wrote in with an interesting one. Craig says, I have about a thousand contacts. And the problem is that Siri accidentally calls the wrong person. Maybe I didn't speak clearly enough or background noise was a problem. But when it starts calling the wrong person, I wish there was a way to have a check mark to determine if a contact is Siri accessible. Any ideas on how to prevent the mistake? I would only ever use Siri to call at most maybe 100 of those contacts. I agree, Craig. I think this is a shortcoming in the contacts Siri interface. And I don't really know if there's a way around it. Um, If you need all those people in... Contacts app, then Siri has access to all of them. And you can't, as far as I know, and I looked for this before we recorded, as far as I know, you can't tell Siri to ignore or just honor like a group in Contacts. Because if it did that, you could have a group that says, you know, Siri, and it could only interact with those. Um, So I agree that this is a frustration. I've definitely had it happen, right? Where I tell, like, especially in the car with CarPlay, hey, call David and like I mean David Sparks and usually he gets that right, but then sometimes it calls like some random David I went to high school with who I haven't talked to in 20 years. so I agree it's it's a little bit uh, a little bit frustrating. So I put this in here to not only reiterate uh, his frustration with this, but also point out that nicknames can help with this. Uh, so my dad and my brother. Share a first name. My brother's not a junior. They have different middle names. I don't know why it happened that way, but uh, so my dad is has dad as a nickname in his contact card, so I can say call dad and it calls him and not my brother, and that can work around some of these things. But this is a sort of an interesting problem that I I wish Apple would tackle at some point. I mean, look, we got fancy new voicemail features now. (laughs) Like clearly they they do uh touch this part of their OSs every once in a while. And like we said on our
0: contacts episode,
1: most people don't ever get rid of contacts. Our contact lists just get bigger and bigger
0: over time. Yeah, I uh I the nickname thing, I second that. Like if you've only got a hundred, think if you can get come up with contacts for the or, or um nicknames for them. I like Steve and I have the same problem. For years I had the problem getting back to my Sarah. I hope I'm not triggering a bunch of people's assistant when i say that but i would uh ask it to call her and it, there was an old client of mine that i hadn't represented in like 10 years and it would always call that person and every time i would stop it and then say no and then i'd push the button for my sarah and and i was thinking at some point doesn't this phone get smart enough to realize every time i suggest the one person he goes to the other one right
2: mm-hmm. well
0: it stopped doing that to me it now i it does the right person. I don't know if that was onboard AI or whatever. Um, in fact, now that I think about I think I deleted the client at some point. I was like, I don't care. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's the fix, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, so yeah, that's not really very helpful, Craig. But yeah, but yeah, nicknames, maybe nicknames can help you. But uh this is something where uh Apple could definitely get better. Yeah peter wrote in on a recent show i mentioned uh lack of a tai chi workout and he says that he says it may be a publishing thing but i have tai chi available um that what i meant was you can trigger a workout on your watch for tai chi but they don't have uh in the fitness app you know in the fitness plus they don't have tai chi videos oh okay okay I, i probably misspoke but i mean i feel like apple is a hippie enough company that And I've been now to their fitness center. There's definitely room to do tai chi there. So it's like it screams out tai chi. I mean, we didn't really say it because we were there, you know. But they've got like nice rocks everywhere, Mm -hmm. you know, water, stone, wood. I mean, if there's one place in the world to do tai chi, it's the Apple Fitness Center. So I feel like we should have a video for that.
1: That's right. And we were in the health and body or body and mind room or something. They turned into the podcast studio. So. People are doing stuff in there right now, probably.
0: Make a video gang.
1: Yeah. What I would like a workout type for is yard work. I was talking with Dancy for The Verge. He's a friend of ours. And over the weekend, I think he had a post on Mastodon. And it was like, he just turns outdoor walk-on, like Moses Grass. Like, there's got to be a better way for this. And lots of people do yard work. I I think the uh, activities app or fitness app now, they changed it like two years ago. And I never get the name right sort of lack some like everyday type movement things that yeah like mowing my grass isn't a workout workout but my heart rate's up and i'm sweating and so it's probably good for me you know i have an electric mower so i'm not breathing in a bunch of fumes um so i thought about that when i saw peter's comment
0: well i i did the same thing because i garden a lot like i have i pull weeds and i trim trees and i i'm like that is very much a part of my my workout routine is gardening um and i just put other but i i always i always log the workout cuz i feel like i want credit for it and mm-hmm. i do sweat and i do really get my heart going you know you know sit down stand up pull weeds saw tree branches all that stuff you know you're you're burning calories so i want to get credit yeah absolutely but i just use, i use other there should be like just a gardening one or something like that i agree i even do the same when i <laughs> because I have a wood shop, but I do a lot of by hand, a hand plane. And you know what? That is a workout, right? You're oh, trying yeah. to flatten a board with a piece of steel and, <laughs> uh, you know, and my heart really gets going and I, I do the same thing I listed as other, but I I'm not expecting Apple to have hand planing as a workout, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs> If they do add it, I will know that they listen. So, guys, if you really want to let me know you're listening, just you add go. hand-plane. It. You
1: <laughs> if you add it, uh, Sparks will make you a beautiful piece of wood for your desk at Apple Park.
0: I will. I'll make you a little, like, keyboard rest. That That's easy. And I'll hand-plane it. And I'll log it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- they definitely add activity types over the years. and. It started out with a pretty simple list, you know, whenever it was nine years ago, eight years ago when the Apple watch first shipped. So they have added a lot of things, but like they're sailing in there. Like how many people sail with an Apple watch versus do yard work with an Apple watch?
0: Yeah. I feel like that's like a, that's like a rich man thing, right? It's like, oh, I don't need yard work, but I definitely need sailing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. What manager at Apple has a
1: a (laughs) sailboat and they were like, you know what? I can do this. So I'm going to do it. Come on be a man of the people you know
0: definitely somebody that was there and had stock when steve came back (laughs) 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 this episode of the mac power users is brought to you by electric go to electric.ai slash mpu and unbury yourself from it tasks and get a free pair of beat solo 3 wireless headphones when you schedule a qualifying meeting When leading your small business, it's not all glamour. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours onboarding an employee, which you're well-equipped to deal with, but maybe you don't have the time. The team over at Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they're on hand to help with the time-consuming parts of your business, like standardized device security with best-in-class device management software, so you can implement best practices across the board and be ready to scale and employee onboarding and offboarding done for you, saving you an average of eight hours per request. Plus, Electric helps you keep a single point of visibility into your IT environment to control your devices, networks, and applications. Their simplified reporting allows you to achieve and maintain compliance, and proactive IT recommendations and automated workflows make IT easy to manage for even non-technical users. And look, if you're hearing this and you think your company could use some of these services, but you're not sure where to start, Electric's experts will guide you through the process of establishing standardized IT processes for your organization. I think one of the real tricks of finding IT support when you are technically minded, like you are, dear Mac Power Users listener, is to find an IT company that will work with you hand in hand, and Electric is just that. But even though you understand this stuff doesn't mean you should be doing all this work. You should be running your business and growing it and letting electric handle that IT. i T I've definitely made that mistake too many times in my life of saying, well, I'll just do it. But before you know it, you're turning yourself into I T and the business isn't getting the attention it deserves. If you're looking for I T support from people that get it, you should check out electric and for Mac power users, listeners, electric is offering a free pair of beats solo three headphones, for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash MPU. That's e l e c t slash M-P-U. Go there now and get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today just for scheduling a qualified meeting. And our thanks to Electric for their support of the Mac Power users.
1: So David, one thing I wanted to ask you about specifically was the Disney portion of the WBC keynote. And Chris wrote in as well wanting to know. So this was in the vision pro segment, Bob Iger, the seat, C- the once and, and current CEO of Disney yeah. came out and talked about some of the things that they're looking at with this product. And as someone who, you know, loves and follows both companies, kind of want to hear what you thought about that.
0: I, I, there was one line he said during his presentation of, uh, he says the best story telling company in the world will combine with the best technology company in the world. And uh, I, I really liked that categorization because Disney does have some great storytellers and Apple does have some great technology. The uh, it didn't surprise me at all. I mean, if you kind of follow the inside baseball version of this, Bob Iger and Steve jobs were very close friends. Bob Iger was a pallbearer at Steve's funeral. I mean, wow. this, they were close and, and really credit Steve as kind of a mentor as he was taking over Disney. So and also Bob Iger's on the Disney Board of Directors. So, I mean, there's just a very close connection between these companies. But I do think uh, Vision Pro uh, eventually will be something that will be a great product for the Disney company. It, you know, it's it's releasing, and I haven't really got my thoughts clear on this, but, I mean, it's releasing as a consumer product, but it's really releasing as a, um, as a first-gen uh, laboratory product, too. I mean, at $3,500, it's, it's made for uh, people that are very interested in it or have sailboats. And uh, I think that, that, you know, it's going to be a while before the price gets down with the kind of experience Apple is creating, but it will get down. In fact, I was talking to a friend about it over the weekend and, and saying, well, what's the long term for this? And, well, it's going to get cheaper and better, and it's going to be huge, I think, in the long term. It's gonna be so it's gonna have a negative side. I mean, at some point, you know how you go to the restaurants now and you see the kids on the iPads? It's gonna yeah. be unbearable in ten years. They're gonna be wearing those stupid goggles, right? or <laughs> whatever the version is in ten years. And then the the parents won't be talking to them because they're in virtual space. But but there's a lot of positive things about it. And I think a company like Disney uh is going to take advantage of it as much as possible. Um, the thing that Disney has that a lot of companies don't is the theme park division which brings in the imagineers and they are just like the name implies they're engineering people who are creative and like you're going to give something like this to them and they're going to come up with so many great ideas and that's part partly the reason apples putting this in the world right you know so people like disney can say well what would we do with this and uh, the people that were fortunate enough to have the the test talked about sporting events, like where you can incorporate this in sporting events. Disney owns ESPN. They showed during the keynote watching a Star Wars movie with this big great screen and everything, but also kind of like in space and like the environment of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I think Disney's going to be doing stuff like that. I think that they're going to, uh, Bob Chapek, the guy in between the two Bob Iger <laughs> managements, at one point he talked about this and said, you know, we want to create the park experiences in a virtual space for people who can't get to the parks. You know, we want to give them something that they can do. Yeah, And I can totally imagine like ride experiences and whatnot rendered in VR. Uh, And this is like the tip of the iceberg. These are the obvious things. Um, What about, you know, enhancing the movie experience more than just create the environment, but have things moving around you? Or I don't know. I mean, I I think they're going to really go nuts with it. Uh, the Imagineers, if you've gone on any of the, if you've been to any of the theme parks lately and seen some of the stuff they've done in more recent attractions, um, like for instance, the rise of the resistance ride at Disneyland, it is a multimedia experience. Mm-hmm. And I think this just gives them one more tool. I, I could see them incorporating it into stuff at the parks, but I could also see them coming up with content for you at home with stuff like this. So uh, the, that was a long answer to your question. Uh, Chris, but I think uh, it's a very good partnership. And I think with the uh, Bob Iger and and Tim Cook and their the long history between the companies, I think you're going to see some really cool stuff come out of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do too. It, it seems like it's the ultimate second screen experience. I mean, you mentioned Star Wars, but in that sort of the promo reel they played in the keynote, it's like you're watching The Mandalorian and facts about the planet they're on are like floating next to you and you could pull that up and like see where they are on a map or be in the you know cockpit with with mando like all of those things i think are really going to en- enrich enrichen that's not a word is that a word You're going to enrich enrich, enrich yeah. the uh the whole experience and i think that is really exciting i think disney is definitely really well suited to do that. But I think, I think others will come along as well. I mean, I think about Amazon prime and they have the x-ray feature. So if you're watching something on prime, you can see any actor in that scene and tap on them and read about them. Maybe they have trivia about the, that part of the episode because it refers back to something else or something special about the location. And I think that sort of stuff could really come to life in a new way in this spatial computing interface, uh something they showed again in that Disney section was like an n b a game, and you know you could r- do a replay and like move the camera around and like see exactly where a player went and see exactly how the pass worked, and you know see the dunk from all these different angles and I think that's gonna be really cool now is that all gonna be there on day one? no, like it's gonna be a process in fact. After all of that like hype, then he was like, "Disney plus will be available at launch, just like so not the other stuff <laughs> like you know you're just bringing your iPad yeah. app over. it will take time because someone has to make all this content and and then retrofit it to previous you know media if they if they go back in time with it. But I do think Disney is definitely the perfect partner for Apple in this, and I'm sure Apple will do their own stuff with with apple t v plus as well but I'm excited about this and it's it struck me in, in rewatching the keynote today so I rewatched the Mac section and the Vision Pro section in particular and it's not very often that Apple pitches a device with entertainment being one of the core features right like we all argued 10 years ago about the iPad about you know creation or consumption or whatever and it's old and boring but with this they're just saying like on the 10 like yeah part of what this is going to be really good at is entertainment and the immersive nature of it. If you twist that dial and block out your entire world, like it, it allows for things we can't do anywhere else in this meaningful way. And that, that is exciting. And I just, and I just really noticed it on the rewatch that, that Apple sort of underlined the entertainment aspect of this.
0: Thinking about it after the event, I feel like entertainment is going to be the initial success of the product. Yeah. it's like that that's going to be the thing that sells devices and that's going to be the thing that immediately works i'm much more interested into what comes after that but i i do think it's clear that you know being able to sit on an airplane and watch a movie in big screen or you know to do that at home and some of the other entertainment elements of it i think that's going to be the easy sell for a lot of people mm-hmm. and the sports thing is huge like I am not as big of a sports guy as some people, but like I I've watched football games, like American football games. And I'm like, but wouldn't it be cool if I could just watch that receiver run his pattern from a certain camera, right. Mm -hmm. And watch that play how I want to see it, you know, because football, there's so much going on. You only get to see whatever the editor chooses to show you. I feel like like that kind of stuff could be very possible and, and make me feel like I'm there, you know, see the hit close or whatever. And, Uh, It's going to require people to change the way they cover this stuff and probably camera angles and all sorts of things. But, but I feel like the desire is there because I think they see money, right? I mean, ESPN is going to be able to sell you a subscription where you can watch baseball and, you know, sit right over the umpire's shoulder. Yeah. Why not? Right. And people will pay for that and especially sports fans, you know, so I think there's just a lot to happen here. And even the way they announced it, uh, they kept saying, we have more about this and that. Like, they haven't really talked about the gaming thing with it. I feel like Apple has more in store between now and launch. I feel like we're going to get more little mini announcements or events or something to, like, cover more of this product.
1: Oh, definitely. I expect that it will share the stage with the iPhone this fall and you know we'll we'll see more of this and i could also see it being a thing I mean, they said early next year where maybe really close to it coming out we learn more about some of the the entertainment stuff it can do because like you said and i agree i think it's going to be the big winner for a lot of people i think people will find it useful for other things but i think entertainment's kind of the the most obvious one and and from a content creation standpoint I'm interested to see in what sort of tools and workflows come up to allow those experiences, right? So you mentioned football. I think it's a great example. Well, I want to see what that, that receiver's route and and what direction they took. And if you have a bunch of camera angles and I can just pick one, well, that's fine. That's pretty easy to do now. But, like, the next level stuff where I can spin the field around as he's making his route and, and seeing exactly. what, what's happening, like, that's going to require... A lot of technology and workflow stuff, and so I'm excited to dig into that in the future as well. I I am sure at some point in the future on MPU we will interview somebody who does this sort of stuff, right? Because we're interested in it, and that's all fascinating too. You know, you talk about who who the Mac Pro and Mac Studio are for; those kind of people, right? People doing that sort of yeah. work, and I'm I'm almost really for me, it's like two sides of a coin. I'm very interested in being able to watch basketball and football in this thing in these ways, but I'm also super interested in how they're going to make that work.
0: Yeah. And I also feel like, like if you ever played like a sports video game, it's fun to like freeze it and move around and oh, see yeah. how, yeah. And I feel like why not do that with humans? And I think this is the product that kind of makes something like that possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay wrote in, uh, I've been struggling with the problem David mentioned on 696 legacy iTunes account and iCloud account. And the specific problem he was having is with his family sharing was about to hit the two terabyte limit. And uh, his app, because the Apple One was on the legacy account, he wasn't able to buy the extra two terabytes. I mentioned in that show, I had the same problem. And what I did was I just added the legacy account to the family and then I purchased it under that. And that allowed me to get me up yeah. to four terabytes. I, uh, and he says, that was brilliant. And first of all, anytime you want to write in to say I'm brilliant, I will take that. Thank you. <laughs> Although I'm not sure that was my idea. I don't remember. I think I researched it at some point and I read somewhere, but I, I don't know where to give credit for it, but I don't think I just came up with that out of the blue. I think I, I heard that somewhere, but yeah, thanks Jay. Anyway, I'll take it. Glad it helped.
1: Yeah, me too. And I really just wanted to highlight it again, because I think in six ninety six, which which recorded like three weeks ago, so who knows how time works, but yeah. Um, I just wanted to underline it here because I think a lot of people are are gonna bump into that now or in the future. I mean, we're at like one point something terabytes in my family, and as you know, gave my daughter her first iPhone, as I've mentioned in the past, and that iCloud use is like ticking up. <laughs> she takes photos yeah. and stuff and video on her phone. It gets it gets backed up, and I have iCloud Photo Library turned on for her. So this is a good uh a good thing to know because a lot of people. Not only run into that, but have that legacy purchasing account, like we said. So uh, I just wanted to kind of put an underline on it here in the feedback episode. I do wish Apple would make this more clear that this is how it can work and or go above the four terabytes. Because I think you said like you're, you're, you're going to be skirting with that here and potentially, you know, not too not too far away.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about it and what I'm going to do is like it's going to a lot of it is my documents and i'm gonna get serious about like taking stuff off the cloud you know yeah Which like, honestly it's probably the opposite of what apple wants to happen they want me to be more reliant on their cloud but i'm gonna you know like some of the field guide resources and stuff it was nice having it in the cloud but the fact is i do all that on my one production machine mm-hmm. i don't do it on the laptop Uh, I don't, it's convenient to have it in the cloud, but it doesn't need to be. So I'm going to start like getting serious about that, Yeah. which, which, like I said, if you're at Apple, you would be like, no, I want him to use our cloud more. I want him to be more dependent on it. So, uh, you know, if they want that, they need to come up with better storage purchases options and Mm -hmm. uh, ways to increase it. We didn't hear anything about that this week or last Mm -hmm. week at WWDC. No, it was
1: real quiet on that front. I did a similar thing when I went from two Macs to one. I had some stuff on Dropbox. that was really just there. So I get it from both computers, like if I needed it. But that right. was really the case, right? So I-, I moved some stuff off the cloud just to my local documents folder. And I could definitely do more if I needed to, as long as I'm living the one Mac life that I'm doing now. So that that is an option as well, right? Kind of reevaluating what you have there. But for most people, the vast majority of it is photos. And yeah. it's hard to tell somebody, look, I get to keep my photos in the cloud, but you can't or you have to like, get booted out of the iCloud family. I think Apple needs to revisit lots on iCloud storage, but the, the upper cap is something that should be on that list.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you're selling these phones that take these massive pictures and people have kids and it's just inevitable. So good luck, buddy.
1: Yeah. And, and what what happens when we're all taking 3D, you know, photo and spatial video and, and stuff at our kids' birthday parties?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those files aren't going to be small. That. Yeah. I was thinking, man, that's going to be a big file when that's done. That, that thing is going to be massive. It's not just a 2D movie. It's a 3D movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how much data are you going to have in there? It's true. And And every year the iPhone takes bigger and more, you know, intensive pictures. I mean, it's just yeah. This is a problem that needs solving. All right. Uh, I think that'll do it. Uh, feedback shows are so much fun, Steven. They go so fast. I'm looking at the clock going like, what happened? We went yeah. along today, but the, uh, but I love doing these shows. I love hearing from the listeners, both Steve and I, I think want to thank everybody, uh, all the great uh, kind things you said to us as we we're going through a WWDC and we got to go do the show at Apple park. Thanks again to Apple for that. I mean, it's fun being recognized by Apple. We've been working, hard at this show for a long time and we want to make it the best possible content for mac power users on the internet uh thank you to our sponsors Samebox, box one password zoc doc and electric we are the mac power users you can find that forum over at talk.macpowerusers.com stick around if you're a more power user we got carplay stuff to go on with uh, otherwise have a great day and we'll see you next time